What's happening? Thanks for joining us. John Lund Unleashed, Barry, a sports talk with me, John Lund from KBR Radio in San Francisco. And what the heck, it was a Friday night. I got some things done. I'm heading off on to vacation. So it's not that I won't be doing the, uh, the live broadcast. I will. I'll be doing the live broadcast on the road. I'll tell you where. We got some things from the show we got to discuss today from the KMBR show that I learned today, NBA All-Star Weekend. So let's kick off the weekend. Let's do a little live chat if you are still up. Let's go. What's happening? Thanks for joining us. Unleashed various sports talk with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. Thanks for joining us. Friday late night. Well, not late night. 10.38 on a Friday. So you might be out on a date. You might be having a good time. Don't worry about me. I just thought I'd get a couple of things off my chest. If you don't watch it live, you can watch it a little bit later. But if you want to hang out, let's hang out. So I want to get into NBA All-Star Weekend. Some things that I learned on my KNBR show today when I did it with Kerry Crowley, and we have a similar thought process. Maybe the Giants' offseason isn't over. Spring training is obviously the start of the season, but there's still some offseason things or there's still some moves they can make. And we had some thoughts on that today. I got some thoughts on it's Michael Jordan's birthday related to the NBA. I was in Salt Lake City the last time they had an NBA All-Star game there. So I got a bunch of stuff. I want to get into hit up on the chat line if you're uh, listening a little bit later because you have plans on a Friday night. Then all you have to do is hit it up in the comment section. I'll see those and I'll make sure I get back to everything as well at John Lund Radio. Hit me up on Instagram, Twitter, any of those ways. And of course, listen to my KNBR show from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. weekdays on KNBR 680 in the Bay Area and KNBR.com. If you are not in the Bay Area, do it that way as well. And then, of course, the podcast version of the show. We make a podcast of the show in addition to the YouTube channel. So wherever you want to listen is fine. You want to take it with you. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcast, just search Unleashed, John Lund, and uh, you will get it. And then, uh, of course, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, please subscribe, tell your friends, all those types of things. All right, where I want to start tonight is I want to start with the NBA All-Star Game and all the things that are going on around it. And then I'll get into some giant stuff, which I'm sure you care about as well. But as far as the All-Star game, well, let me back up. It's Michael Jordan's birthday today, and I understand why people do the lists. And I understand why, you know, because it equals ratings, and they'll do a, a, a Mount Rushmore or something like that. That's become really popular. Um, I understand why they do it from a standpoint of the Talking Head show. It makes a big deal. I'll give you a great example. I was down in Phoenix last week. And Dan Orlovsky made a top five quarterback list that did not include Joe Montana. And, of course, the Bay Area goes nuts, and they know that. Because if you do a traditional top five list, and let's just use that quarterback list as an example, and you put the normal guys on there, right? Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Dan Marino, Peyton Manning, you know, Drew Brees might be in there, Johnny Unitas might be in there. I mean, they're, you know, your typical top five, it's not going to buzz. Nobody's going to create anything out of it. So you got to leave somebody out and – Orlowski probably raised his hand and said, I'll, I'll die in the ill of no Joe Montana, and they do that. And I saw him last week, and I laughed, and he kind of smirked, and it's because, yeah, we know what we're doing. We're, we're, that's what we're trying to do. So I relate that to Michael Jordan because it's birth, his birthday and it's NBA All-Star Weekend, and I will always relate Salt Lake City to Jordan because my first assignments in sports were to cover the Bulls locker room in both 97 and 98. Got ridiculously lucky. In fact, I do the Locked On Podcast Network because the founder, David Locke, who's the play-by-play voice now of the Utah Jazz and has been for years, for some reason gave me an opportunity to, to be in the Bulls locker room. I don't know why, uh, but that's what he did, and it's kind of being like, thrown in the deep end, and it was awesome. It's something I'll never forget. Uh, I watched uh, The Last Dance. I was part of The Last Dance. I mean, it was just 
it, it was a really cool way to start. So anyway, I'll always remember it like that. I was at the 93 All-Star game when baby uh, Jordan, Harold Miner, won the dunk contest. Yeah, he wasn't baby Jordan. And and anyway, they'll they'll have the festivities this weekend and everything else. But as far as Jordan is concerned, the only thing I can say about lists and greatest and goats and all those kind of things is Jordan's the greatest I saw. But the reason you can't, so then I'm only doing this as kind of like a public service announcement because the only reason you can't do these lists, and I don't know why people fall for it every single time. It's like the old banana and the tailpipe trip. So-and-so said this. So-and-so said this. So-and-so made a list of that. So-and-so said this one's the best. Like, people go nuts over that. The comments, and I, I, I just, I don't know if it's something of a personal front, like this guy made a list. I don't care. Like, I don't care if the foremost expert in the NBA made a list of top five players. Don't care. As, uh, as I said in uh, why, why Am I Blanking on the Movie, and yeah, that's just your opinion, man. I mean, that's the way, Jeff Bridges. That's just your opinion, man, the Big Lebowski. I don't care. Like, my five list doesn't have to be your list. Like, we should carry laminated cards. This is my list. doesn't have to be your list. And the reason it can't be your list or, or, or can't be my list, can't be your list or the top or this, we all grew up in different generations. The statistics don't tell the story. So everybody who tries to get into the numbers game and says, well, this guy's the best because look at the numbers. This guy's the best because he had the most wins. This guy's the best. Like, when we talk about quarterbacks, the rules have changed so many times. It's so much easier for the offense. You know, it. Tom Brady played in a division that all the other teams were crap. I mean, I'm not saying he's not the greatest, but you could make an, a, a whole thing for him. You could make a whole thing for Joe. But just because it's Michael Jordan's birthday, he's the greatest I saw. I covered him. I saw him. I grew up with him. You know, he's from the time he scored 63 to the Celtics, basically all by himself as a young Michael Jordan to the end of the flu game. I saw all the stuff. And I remember standing up there because, you know, you're a local local yokel and they put you at the top of the arena with all, and we were all with the Bulls guys. And it's like, you know he's going to pull this thing out. Like, it's, it's an intangible thing that you really can't even put your finger on why he was the greatest. He's just the greatest. I don't care what the numbers say. And when I say that, I don't degrade LeBron James in the process. James is there. Jordan's there. Wilt's there. I didn't see Wilt. I didn't see Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in his prime. I saw him at the end. So, you know, I saw a lot of great players, but, I mean, I, I, I was there the night Kobe Bryant threw up the air balls in 1998. I covered that series. So from the time he – I saw Kobe Bryant's entire career, interviewed him hundreds of times. Saw him from the beginning to the end. I have a better opinion on Kobe Bryant than I would Abdul-Jabbar or Wilt Chamberlain or Bill Russell. You can't – and then all the rules change. So you can because people do it, and it's cheap. Uh, it's cheap clicks and cheap TV views and everything else. I'm not ripping it. It's here to stay. It's just Jordan's the best I ever saw. And if you say that LeBron James is better, great. That's your opinion. Probably grew up a different way. You might value something else. You grew up in a different era. The, t- the numbers are different. Like, for example, when people say that, wow, George, uh, LeBron James has played to this age and he's still very effective. Well, in Jordan's day, they played more minutes. And they played less seasons, but they played 82 games. And they played 45 minutes. Nowadays, they think, I can make LeBron, I can give LeBron James career two, three, four extra years or prime years. So that's different. So what if Jordan had played with a three-point line when it really mattered? He did, but not really, really mattered. It wasn't emphasized. How much would he have scored? And what if Michael Jordan played 65 games in 35 minutes? How much longer could he have played? So that's my whole point. If you say LeBron James, cool. If I say Michael Jordan, cool. I saw him play. I covered the guy. I saw the games. I saw him rip people's hearts out. 
I saw that he when he anytime he wanted to defend, he could. Anytime he wanted to score, he could. If he wanted to be a distributor, he was. He could do anything he wanted to do. And he just, depending on the moment, that's what he did. So I thought he was the greatest. But Wilt might be the greatest. I mean, look at the numbers they put up. Kareem might be the greatest. You know, you can do this again, over and over and over again. So anyway, we had a discussion on our show about it. I think it's fascinating. It's Jordan's birthday, and everybody has to have a list, and everybody had a list and talked to Michael Jordan today. And again, I'm not mad if you think it's LeBron. I'm not mad if you think it's Bill Russell and you think championships are the thing. Uh, I'm not mad if you think it's Kareem. I'm not. I, the one thing I will say is, and just this is just because of recency bias and because uh, the younger generation, you know, we forget about these guys. And the one thing I try to do, whether it's a Mount Rushmore or determine who the greatest or, or say, you know, we got, I always make sure, like, if I have a top five list and I'm not a big list guy, you got to put an old school guy in there. And that's where, like, when you look at quarterbacks, for example, all right, Joe's not old school yet. I mean, kind of. But I'm talking about guys like 60s, 70s, things like that. So if you make a top five list, it's okay if you have Tom Brady in there. Uh, uh, Joe can be in there. That's fine. But they, it can't be all modern guys just because they have all the numbers. Like, I don't think your top five list can be Brady and Manning and Breeze and, you know, and not yet Mahomes. And, again, that's my opinion. You can have Mahomes at number one. But he's only 27 years old, and he's going to do a lot more, so it kind of shortchanges him already. But you got to throw a Unitas in there. you got to show some respect to the, to the old brand, whether it's the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball. Like you got to go back. And even if you go, oh, they don't have the numbers, the games are different, which we're back to ground zero, which is why you can't have a true greatest. And we fall for it every single time when somebody, even a random person, puts up a list who you may not even know. And you're like, that's the worst list. And you get mad and you get angry and you shoot off a, you know, some social media enemy to get mad. No reason to get mad. Just saying. All right, as far as NBA All-Star Weekend is concerned, I have another kind of, I don't know what you would call it, I guess a public service announcement. Here's how I view All-Star games. You don't have to view them this way. I'm just saying this will make it a lot more fun for you, I think, to enjoy the weekend and to not get so angry. And maybe you aren't angry. Maybe this is the media-driven thing because the media bitches and moans about All-Star games. The irony I find is in every single sport, we get so into the selection process and get angry of who's snubbed. So it's not who made it. What's the front page of ESPN or anything that anybody writes right after uh, voting stops and everybody is announced? Snubs, 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 snubs. You know, nobody celebrates who made it. Everybody talks about snubs. But then nobody cares about the game. So this guy was snubbed. This guy was snubbed. This guy was snubbed. Ah, you forgot that guy. Ah, who cares about the game? But everybody gets really mad about who was snubbed, and nobody really even talks about the guys who made it. So that's kind of funny about All-Star Games. But here's how I look at it, and maybe this will help you enjoy the games and the um, proceedings this weekend in Salt Lake City, which is this. When you go to a certain movie, and I don't know why this popped in my mind today, when you go to a certain movie, let's say it's Happy Gilmore or something, right? And so you're re-watching Happy Gilmore on some movie channel or TBS or TNT, whatever the case may be, and you know right when you flip that on, or, or Anchorman with Ron Burgundy, or, you know, whatever the case may be. Just, it could be a funny movie, silly movie, whatever. You're in certain moods when you watch certain movies, right? But randomly, you might just be flipping around. And you know right away, either when you pick out a movie, or you come across a movie flipping channels, what it's going to be. And then your mood will reflect that, right? Even if you're saying, hey, let's go to the movies tonight, and you're, you're kind of thinking, do I want something intense? Do I want to have to follow it? Do I want a, a thriller? Do I want a comedy? I'm a comedy guy. you know. But there are nights that I want to be like, hey, I want a thriller, or I want, I want to really think or get into something or a documentary or whatever. 
But the, think of the NBA All-Star Game as almost guilty entertainment, like reality TV or a funny movie or comedy. It's not winning an Oscar, right? It's not going to be real deep thinking. It's not going to be Oscar-worthy, but it will entertain you if you are in the right mind, right? Even a, a, a comedy that you don't absolutely love, even if it's Roadhouse on a Sunday with Patrick Swayze that's been played a million times, if you're in the right mindset, you're going to enjoy it. So take that mindset. Just Look, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying maybe you would enjoy All-Star Games more if you develop this mentality. It's not going to win an Oscar, okay? It's that movie. You're going to be entertained. It's going to be locked in two hours. You don't probably won't talk about it a whole hell of a lot, right? You got nothing else going on. Maybe Tiger over the weekend, you know, can continue his surge. There's something like that. Maybe, the, you know, whatever the case may be. But it's the first weekend, true weekend without football, and the All-Star Game's on. And, and lots of people like to complain about it, and it's not what it used to be, and it's not this, and it's not that, and you got the rising stars, and they're, they've got three different teams. Like, everybody, they're trying to jazz it up the best they can for you. But at the end of the day, it's kind of a – like a, a funny or a silly movie that's just pure entertainment. You don't have to get anything out of it. It doesn't have to be Oscar-worthy. That's what Super Bowls are for. That's what playoffs are for. That's what that's – if you equate it to movies, that's what they are. Those are Oscar-winning performances. The Chiefs versus the Eagles last weekend was like an Oscar-winning performance, one of the best Super Bowls of all time. And let, don't get me started about the referees because I don't care. It's all part of the mishmash and the jambalaya, and you got to throw it in there. And I was, I'm, ne- I'm not angry about the officials. And it'll, it, after a while, it'll just go away. Does anybody remember the holding call against Cooper Cup in the Rams' victory over the Bengals? It's, it's fading away. And that was just as egregious of a call to me. Anyway, I digress. So try that. Just see what happens. Because when it comes to the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, I enjoy it. The home run derby can get monotonous. It's okay. I know it's coming. And I'm not going to get angry about it. And, yeah, the slam dunk contest this weekend doesn't have any stars in it, and it used to be great. Uh, If you're part of the younger demographic, you don't know this, go back and watch it on YouTube. When Michael Jordan took on Dominique Wilkins and Larry Nance took on Dr. J, it was awesome. It was the stars of the game, and Kobe Bryant was in it at one point, and LeBron James, and... Actually, stars wanted to defend their title. Same with the three-point contest. Larry Bird was in it every single year. Clay and Curry. Like, it was a big deal. Now it's like, eh, there's some decent guys in there. But it's not – they don't. They feel like they don't have to prove anything anymore. I'm a star. Maybe I'll do it early in my career, but then that's it. So you're not going to get the stars in the dunk contest anymore. You're not going to get the stars in the three-point contest anymore. Maybe in the skills competition a little bit. But they'd rather sit and fraternize on the sidelines and have a good time and have the cameras on them and, and Draymond Green's case – actually be a commentator on it because all these guys are going, whoa, look at the money that's being made. Why do I want to be in that? I want to be part of the TNT thing. I want to be the next group after Charles and Shaq and and Kenny and those guys go. I want to be on that show. These dudes are making a ton of money. So, you know, they they don't necessarily even want to participate in it because it's not that cool. But it's okay. You know, I know what the dunk contest is. It's not going to be the highlight of my night anymore. The three-point contest is definitely passed it by. Skills competition is pretty cool. But again, even on NBA Saturday night, All-Star Saturday night, I know what to expect. I'm not getting angry about it. Ah, this needs to be better. There isn't really a way to do it. Because guys don't want to get hurt anymore. Like, you look at the NFL. I didn't love the flag football stuff. I didn't love the skills competition. But you know what? I sat down. I watched it. I gave it a chance. I didn't watch all of it. But I wasn't angry about it. I was entertained for a short period of time, just like I think of every other entity that is now an entertainment entity. 
and I had choices to watch a movie or watch an old show or, or just get up and do something else. Like, that's how it kind of fits into my life is that these things are entertainment. As soon as I'm not entertained, I go. Because of my job, I have to watch some of it and have an opinion on it at some point and say this is what I liked, this is what I didn't. But everyone, it seems like in the media, gets so angry over All-Star Games. And I just kind of don't get it because it's no big deal to me. I just use it as an entertainment entity. And when I'm no longer entertained, even though I do this for a living, I just say that's it. I'm done. So anyway, just a thought. You don't have to. You can get angry. You can uh, get angry about it and shoot out social media and say this All-Star game sucks and this All-Star game sucks and that one sucks. I mean, if I was going to rank them, I still think the Major League Baseball All-Star game is actually cool. I like it. Uh, I would put the I put the NBA second. Uh, I don't hate the NHL All-Star game. Uh, I think what the NFL is doing needs a total re- uh, overhaul, but I'm not angry about it. I'm not mad about it. Anyway, this weekend, Salt Lake City, the NBA All-Star game. I was there in 1993. They did a nice job with it. The liquor laws are a little bit wacky, but uh, short of that, I mean, it's, it's a good place. Underrated. Uh, as far as the Giants are concerned, and by the way, thanks for joining us. Live chat on a Friday, February 17th with me, John Lund. Unleashed various sports talk on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure that you're hitting up the podcast, which you can get anywhere, Apple, Spotify, wherever it's your favorite podcast. The YouTube channel, which you're probably watching right now. Please subscribe. Tell your friends about that as well. And we always do live chats all week and uh, all sorts of shows. We, we uh, Shorts and all those kind of things. So make sure that you hit us up. By the way, before I get into some Giants conversation, let me do this. So next week... I'm going to visit uh, family in Hawaii, and I will be out of the KNBR show, which you can hear weekdays 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. with me and Greg Papa. So Greg is out next week, and um, FP Santangelo, I believe, is in, and uh, and Kolsky, Matt Kolsky is in. So they're going to be in for us, I think, Monday through Thursday. I'll be back on Friday with FP next week. But I will bring my gear with me, and now you won't have this fancy background and everything that I have in my studio here at home, but I'll bring my computer and as things warrant, I always it, even if I go on vacation, I got I got to see what's going on. I wake up early in the morning and and uh, see what's going on. So if there's anything that um, makes news, I'll absolutely do podcasts. I'll absolutely uh, jump on the computer and uh, and do chats and things like that and put shows together. So uh, we will be doing it. I just won't be doing the KBR show next week. I'll be out on quote unquote vacation, but it's a kind of a working vacation as they all are when you're in this business, which I'm not complaining about. I'm not digging ditches. I always tell you that. All right, as far as the Giants are concerned, here are my uh, early thoughts. Today on the KNBR show, we had John Cheon from the Chronicle, National Baseball Writer. We had Jesse Rogers on from ESPN, National Baseball Writer, who focuses on the Cubs and the White Sox. And we had Susan Susser late in the day, about 1.15, to kind of give us a recap of what's going on at Giants camp. Now, here's one interesting thought, and then I'll tell you what's going on at Giants camp and the early reads in baseball right now and the rules and all those kind of things. I was talking to Kerry Crowley today. He was on the show with me with Papa Out. And Kerry used to be a beat writer for the Bay Area News Group here in the Bay Area, uh, the Mercury News, Bay Area News Group. And he brought up a thought. And it's funny because the the direction I think the Giants should be going in every offseason is you load up on three or four number one starters, and then you you draft and develop hitting. And with the excess of your pitching – you you trade for that hitting, and those are the you know that's just what their philosophy should be because when they won World Series, that's how they won it. They won it with top end pitching, and a hell of a great bullpen. And right now they have Logan Webb as a one, and then they have a bunch of three fours and fives masquerading as you know twos and threes and everything else. Ross Stripling, nothing against him, and Sean Manaya and Alex Wood, 
and Alex DiSclefani's coming back, and Alex Cobb, and they're all older guys, and none of them are a number two starter. And so that concerns me because I think you need high-end pitching, and I think the Giants need high-end pitching, and you got to play to your ballpark, and that's what you do in this ballpark. You pitch, and then you get enough hits. And offensively, I'm looking at this lineup, and while I don't think it's great defensively, and my biggest concern and they said it the entire offseason. we got to get more athletic. we got to get better defensively. Our pitching wasn't good because of our bad defense. Um, catching, okay, Roberto Perez is probably going to be the starter, to be honest with you. I don't know if it's going to be Joey Bart. If it's Bart, it's no different. Crawford's still at short. Uh, Tyro Estrada's still at second. They're worse at first base defensively because Belt was better than any of the options they have right now. I don't know how good David Villar is going to be, but when Evan Longoria, which wasn't often, was healthy, he's a better defensive third baseman. Uh, in the outfield, I'd rather have Yaskremski in right than center, but that's what's being forced there. And I don't know if Conforto and Hanniger can stay healthy. And I don't know how good defensively they'll be. They're not known for being great defensive outfielders. So that's your team. And I don't think the number one goal was to get more athletic, regular guys in the lineup, get a little bit younger, and definitely be better on defense. And I don't think they accomplished any of those things. It's an old roster. Most guys are 30-plus. Logan Webb's 26 Hopefully Kyle Harrison can come up. Hopefully Casey Schmidt can come up because he's a really good defensive third baseman. But they didn't accomplish athleticism. They didn't accomplish younger players. They're still older. They're still 30-plus. Um, they may have established getting a little bit better on offense. They may have established getting a little bit better in the bullpen. Taylor Rogers is there. Uh, he had an okay season. He wasn't real great when he got traded to the Brewers. And Luke Jackson's coming off a major injury. Those are the upgrades in the bullpen. So, my point in going on and saying all those things about the Giants. So he got he and I got into a conversation today, and I don't know if you saw this, but Corbin Burns is none too happy with the arbitration process, arbitration process with the Brewers, and actually came out and look. This is why you have an agent. This is why you don't want to go through the process. This is why, you know, the Brewers are getting really cheap. They're a smaller market team. They made a couple of runs at things. Now they're kind of coming out the other end, and they've traded a lot of a lot of guys. And Corbin Burns is probably going to be next, and they could not bridge the gap of $750,000. Brewers won the arbitration case, and Burns indicated in an interview that it was quite nasty, and he's pretty pissed about it. Now, maybe he'll get over it. Maybe it'll get smoothed over. But he went to St. Mary's College, and this is one of the things, this is where I thought Farhan erred, if you can say, and look, I'm not mad about Judge. I'm not mad about Correa. Where I think they erred is, if I know this, they should have known this. Aaron Judge was never going to come here. I don't hit on supermodels when I go to a bar because, well, first of all, I'm married, but I didn't when I could because there's no point in it. So there's no point in going after Aaron Judge if you know you weren't going to get him, and they had to have known because I know. Um, Carlos Correa, there had to be medicals more than what we knew, and they had a lot more information than we did. Did they really not know that he had an ankle that was kind of screwed up? Would that have been the way to go? Look. I think they should have signed, re-signed Carlos Rodon. I know it's six years. I know it makes him nervous, but that's the cost of business nowadays. Things change. And these two- and three-year deals and one-year deals and recreating your pitching staff, that's not going to work long-term. And it's kind of so they can sandbag so they can get some of these guys up there. But Kyle Harrison, hey, let's say Kyle Harrison's really good. Where's the next guy? It's not Sean Jelly. And, you know, you, you got to add these guys. So we can play revisionist history and say, well, it should have been Carlos Rodon. And he would have been a true number two. But what I would have done in the offseason, I would have signed Rodon. I would have already extended Logan Webb. And right now, I'd trade for Corbin Burns. And now I'm cooking with gas. And now I've got excess pitching that I can go trade for the hitting I didn't get. 
And then Brian Reynolds has also uh, said again, and a guy that the Giants traded away for Andrew McCutcheon, so they know him, Brian Reynolds, a switch-hitting center fielder, has said, I still want to be traded. Now, I don't know if the Pirates will do it, but if Farhan, if I'm Farhan and I'm looking at the team I have, and he can say all the nice things he wants, they have no depth, so if this team, which is 30-plus years old, gets hurt, they're not going anywhere, and they are going to get hurt. And you, if you get Brian Reynolds and Corbin Burns, that saves your offseason. You've got a couple of decent, you know, kind of star-ish kind of players on your team, which starts to satisfy the lunatic fringe because I saw it when I went to FanFest. They're, they're not overly impressed, and they're not over-losing Judge, who they never were going to get, and they're not over-losing Carlos Correa, who they never had. So you've got to go out and you do something. Now you've got three in the rotation that you're going to be in three out of every five games, and you have some other good pitching that now they're in their right roles. If Alex Cobb is a four, that's where he should be. Or Alex Wood or Anthony DiScalfani. Now you don't have to rush Kyle Harrison. That, I mean, it just makes perfect sense. Everybody starts to get slotted. Now, as far as Brian Reynolds, now you have a center fielder. He's a switch hitter, top-of-the-order guy. Yastrzemski moves back to right field. And now you can start rotating guys at, uh, at DH first base and in the outfield. Hanniger, Conforto. It's not realistic to think that Michael Conforto can go from not playing at all to playing 140 games. He's going to break down. He's 30 years old. Mike Ustremski, you think, oh, he just got here. He's young. He's 32. Everyone in the rotation outside of Logan Webb, who's 26, is 30-plus. It's, it's not going to add up. Brandon Crawford can't play 140 games anymore. So you don't have guys in the prime of your career, and you're sticking him out there with very little depth and saying, I know you're 30-plus years old, but go ahead and do this. I'd like Brian Reynolds in center. Move Yaz back to right. I don't think Yaz is a full-time player against left-handed pitching, so you can move guys around. There's going to be enough at-bats for everybody. And now you're cooking with gas in those two plays. Now, do I expect it to happen? No, it's probably too late. But I'm certainly calling the Brewers, and I'm saying, look, if, if this changes and this, relationship's conti- this relationship continues to deteriorate, call me. Now, here's the bigger problem, too, that we discussed, and we've discussed this a lot. Dodger, it's not always about the guys who come out of the farm system and help you. Now, I hope Kyle Harrison can. I hope that Casey Schmidt can. But the Padres use their farm system to get Juan Soto. And that's the kind of things you got to do. There's a couple of ways you can use your farm system. You can use it for guys coming up, or you can at least, at the very worst, give the illusion that these guys are really good players, and you can get players from other teams. And I don't think there should be any untouchables, maybe outside of Kyle Harrison, in the entire system. Because if you start looking at Luciano, he's got a back injury now, and he's going the wrong way on the prospect lists. And he's not a top 10 guy, and he's not a surefire guy, and he's no longer untouchable to me. And go on down the line with any of them. I mean, not that you need to know all about the Giants' prospects, but, you know, the guys that you know, like Patrick Bailey and uh, Luis Matos and all these different guys, Go look at what they did in the minor leagues. They didn't hit, you know, Matos hit 211. Patrick Bailey hit 225. He's in the stall. He's stalling. Von Brown, who everybody likes, Von Brown's 24 years old in A-ball. Like, if there are some guys that are flashing, I'm saying trade those guys and and, and get some guys who are established because you need star power in your baseball team. Now, as far as the Giants and what was said today in talking to John Shea and in talking to Susan Slusser, uh, rules were the big things that popped up today, the new rules, how they're going to change things. I'd love to know your thoughts on it, either on the chat line or uh, put them on the comments, uh, or if you're listening on the uh, on the podcast, uh, hit me up as well, at John Lund Radio. 
I think the rules are going to, you know, put more balls in play, which I think is absolutely great. I think that, you know, they are still going to find ways to manipulate the shift because there are things you can do moving an outfielder. You can manipulate things around. So it's not going to be completely like it used to be. So, and you know, they're going to play right on the edge of where they can play. And then when the ball's pitched, they can lean, move, all those kind of things. So it's not going to be exact. But I think the stolen base is going to come back into the game. I think the pace, if you're watching on your couch, is going to be a lot better. I mean, how many times have you sat there and watched the Giants game to like 11 o'clock? And I mean, sometimes it's like, come on, man. The only downside to the whole thing is if I don't know how many ball games you go to. I love going to games. And I don't want to be whisked out of the ballpark in like two hours. Like I, I go to a restaurant and I used to, my dad was a, um, a restaurateur. He owned a, a food brokerage business. And you had to turn tables in 90 minutes, even like fine dining, nice places that you're paying a bunch of money. They want you out in 90 minutes. Well, in Major League Baseball, they want you out in like two hours plus and light on the plus, like two hours, get out. You're like, man, I've, come on, you, you, I, I paid all this money for all these tickets. Like you're just kicking me out? Yeah, we're kicking you out. Get out of here. We want it to be fast. We want it to move. They're saying with the pitch clock uh, in the minors, it went down by like 25 minutes. So it's very possible that it's going to get down to that number. So uh, the big that so the rules were a big conversation point with both John Shea and Susan Susser today and Jesse Rogers from ESPN. As far as the Giants, Joey Bart was a, a big conversation, a, a topic of conversation. There's a Rule 5 draft pick in there. There's Roberto Perez in there. And I understand them saying nothing is given. Everybody knows that. Nothing is given. Nothing is given. We're not going to just give somebody a job. Let me read between the lines on that. Joey Bart's 26 years old, and he still hasn't taken hold of a catching job in which I was going to say there's no dominant guy in the team. There's not even a guy that, I mean, Roberto Perez won a gold glove a couple years ago. He can't hit. He had 24 home runs a couple years ago. He's a non-roster invitee. And they've got a Rule 5 draft pick in there. And those are the two guys that Joey Bart is not clearly better than. That's not good. And again, speaks to the farm system. I mean, could you put Joey Bart in a trade? Does he have any value whatsoever so that you could potentially try to get better? And a guy like Corbin Burns, who isn't happy in Milwaukee and would be great here and went to St. Mary's, or Brian Reynolds, who was originally a giant, could he be in a pack? Could, could Bart be in a package? I don't know. Could Luciano anymore be in a package? His back is hurt. For years and years and years, it's like, that guy's untouchable. So anyway, Bart was a topic of conversation. Uh, Jock Peterson was a, was a topic of conversation today in spring training. And he told me when we were at <laughs> FanFest, he wanted nothing to do with first base. And now he's having to play first base. And the Giants are trying to tell me that they're better defensively. You may not have liked Brandon Belt at the end. You might have thought throughout his career he was hurt too much. But he played a solid ba- first bag. And Doc Peterson's not going to. So that was a topic of conversation. I mean, Kyle Harrison went to the mound today. Um, I saw the tape of it. And I don't know what you can learn from that, and I'm sure that there's going to be write-ups on it tomorrow. But that's good news. And my viewpoint on Kyle Harrison is don't waste him in the minors. You know, the one thing about pitchers is we talk about why, how pitchers only have so many pitches in them. Then don't sit him in the minor leagues throwing them for the River Cats when they don't matter. Get him up here. And Kyle Harrison, and just uh, we've had him on our show before, uh, probably two or three times in KBR. He's not a guy who's going to lose his confidence when he comes up to the majors. And if he gets hit a little bit, he's not going to lose his confidence. So I understand what their philosophy has been in how they kind of slow play players up to the majors. The minute Harrison looks ready, turn the oven off and let's go. Get him up to the major leagues. I don't want him throwing pitches in the minor leagues that when he's not ready. 
I don't think his confidence is going to be hurt. And here's the here's the best part about it. They need him. The other guys in that rotation, uh, Logan Webb's 26. All the rest of them are 30-plus-year-old guys who are four or five rotation guys. Maybe Alex Cobb could be a little better. Maybe Sean Maniah can show it at times. But Wood, DeSclafani, those kind of guys, uh, Ross Stripling, those are back-of-the-rotation guys. And they're going to be asked to be a, a two. That's that's not gonna, that's not going to work out well. Uh, by the way, the other thing we were talking about today on the show was fan graphs, and then I'll get out to some of the questions on the chat, and I appreciate you guys jumping in here on a Friday night. Uh, your Friday night apparently was just as successful as mine. But uh, <laughs> um, fan graphs, I think, has the Giants at 81 and 81. Bakoda, I don't know if you even follow any of these things, has the Giants at 88 wins, or maybe I have that reversed. Fan graphs has them at 88. Bakoda has them at uh, 82. And the most important people, those are the people in Vegas have been 81 and 81. I think the over-under actually on the on the Giants' wins in Vegas as of this morning was 81. So give me your thoughts on that. Give me your comments on that. You, are, you, are you thinking in that range of 81 to 88? Are you thinking lower than that? Are they a 500 team? Because last year they were 81 and 81. And I guess the question I'm asking you is, are they better? Are they better than they were a year ago? I don't know. So there are some things to chew on. If you want to get into All-Star Weekend, we can. Warriors second half. Giants, how they, what the storylines have been in spring training. Any of that stuff. I haven't hit up on any 49ers. There isn't any real news for the 49ers until Brock Purdy. Today's the 17th. In an hour and 45 minutes, it's going to be the 18th, uh, which means four days until the surgery. And then we can have a conversation. Once they get in there and open that thing up, and we see exactly what's going on there, then we can have a conversation about it. But until now, I don't think there, until then, I don't think there's anything else. Uh, what's happening, Daniel? Good to hear you. Uh, <laughs> hope your Friday night was good. Uh, Kyle says you listen to Kruger. Kruger's one of my, Larry's one of my best friends in the business. Uh, what's funny is we've, we've lived near each other in the East Bay for years and years. Actually lived almost right across the street from me. My son is now 19 and in his first year at Arizona State at Cronkite Broadcast School down there. And Larry coached my kid. My kid was, uh, my kid, uh, could have had, he had some college opportunities, but he'd been playing baseball since he was five years old. Larry was his second coach when my son was six. So Larry's known my son, and I've known his kids for 13 years. And even when I was on the other station and Larry was on KMBR, we were good friends. We, we, we've been good friends for a long time. He's the best. We'll be on each other's show. Uh, let's see. Uh, put up our comments. Talk to the chats. I've been trying to get Larry and you. Uh, swap being guest, your channels will grow like hell. I agree. That's how it works. I mean, you can be on other people's things and all that kind of stuff, and that's how it works. Look, I'm a huge fan of Larry's, like I said. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, da, 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 let me get going here. Sorry, I lost the chat here. Let me get it back. There we go. Uh, let's see. Anyone see this? Yes. Uh, thanks, Kyle, for listening every day. I appreciate it. Happy Friday. Sorry, I'm seeing these from the front to the bottom. Daniel, happy Friday. Appreciate you hanging out on a uh, Friday night. No, Friday night was good for me. If you joined in a little bit late, I had a great Friday night. Uh, I'm going to see family in Hawaii tomorrow, but I'm going to take the computer and all the gear with me. So I'm going to do live chats and I'm going to, uh, you know, it, when things break, all that kind of stuff. When obviously when Brock Purdy has his surgery, we can talk about that. So I'm going to take my gear with me. We'll have a different backdrop background. This is my studio at my house. Uh, so it'll be all different, but uh, I won't be on the KMBR show this week. Actually, I'll be on Friday. Uh, so Monday through Thursday, I'm out. 
leaving first thing very early in the morning. Papa is out next week. He'll be back next Monday. So not this Monday, next Monday. I, I will only be on the show next week on, let me fix this up, on Friday. So that's what we're doing. So I'll be out from KMBR, but I will keep doing the show right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And thank you for everybody for joining me tonight on a Friday night. And again, it is Unleashed Bay Area Sports Talk with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco and the Locked On Podcast Network. NBA All-Star Weekend in Salt Lake City, which I watched some of that tonight. I can talk to you about it. Uh, the Giants, the early spring training look and talking to Susan Slusser and John Shea today on our show and Jesse Rogers from ESPN. Uh, those are the main topics here on a Friday night. And just to recap, Joey Bart, a main topic of conversation. What's going on at first base? Is Jock really going to play over there? Kerry Crowley and I were talking a lot today. Look, Corbin Burns is pissed with the Brewers. Go get that guy. Like, start using your farm system like the Padres use their farm system. You don't have to bring up all the guys. I guess I would call Kyle Harrison untouchable, but I don't think Luciano is or Matos or any of these other guys that we keep have been hearing for years and years and years. Let's start getting stuff out of your farm system. And you can do it two ways. You can either bring them up, or if they're not quite ready, you can trade them to other teams like the Brewers who are breaking things down because they don't have enough money. Act like you're a big market team. You're the San Francisco Giants. Now, look, I'm not expecting you to be the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Red Sox or any of those revenue-generating teams, but you're right after that. So quit acting like you're the A's. It's like Farhan likes to go to Marshalls and, and all, the, you know, all the cheap places and, and TJ Maxx and say, look what I found, Salvation Army. Look at this. It's like, no, man, you don't have to do that anymore. You don't work for the A's anymore. Remember when you worked for the Dodgers? Like, take the middle ground of the A's and the Dodgers and maybe even a little bit higher than that and actually do, like, you can spend. You can trade. You'll have more guys. Have confidence in your scouting ability that you're going to bring other guys up. There's different ways your farm system can help you. It is time for the Giants to start being much more aggressive in terms of the way that they look at these things. Brian Reynolds doesn't want to play in Pittsburgh. Make him an offer they can't refuse. And But Yaz back and right. Corbin Burns doesn't want to be in Milwaukee. Went to St. Mary's. Got two more years left of club control. He's 28 years old. You don't have a number two starter. You let Carlos Rodon walk. Go get him. <laughs> because if you don't, you see the aggressive nature of the, of the teams in this division? You don't think the Dodgers are calling? You don't think the Padres are calling? And then if you don't win this division, now you're looking at all the other wildcard teams. You don't think Atlanta, Philadelphia, you don't think the Mets are calling? The minute they heard Corbin Burns go, man, that arbitration hearing did not go well. I was pissed. They, they took shots at me. He's not happy. Call the Brewers. They're cutting payroll anyway. That's who the Giants have to be. And under Farhan, they have not been. And that's where the frustration, I think, for the fan base is. And any, I say this all the time. Anytime I speak for a fan base, eh, sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. But it, I, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you are part of the fan base. What I think frustrates people is, okay, you didn't get Judge. He was never going to come here. You didn't get Correa, that whole, you know, the whole thing with the ankle. Okay. But then what did you do? And you went out and you, did, you, you basically played chalk. You said, oh, well, Conforto's out there. Well, he's probably going to get hurt. And Hanniger's out there. Okay, he had one good season where he hit 39 home runs. And then Sean Manaya and Ross Stripling. Quality, quantity does not equal quality. And there's a couple of quality guys right there that act, could actually make your offseason even though the season has technically already started. So give me your thoughts. That's what's going on in spring training right now. That's some of the things that we discussed uh, a little bit earlier on. 
Uh, Kyle says, the fact that Harlan gave your son his number, amazing. But after the live show, we're off. Yeah, let's see, Bugger, it's really important. <laughs> no, I, I, look, I wouldn't say that I'm best friends with Kevin Harlan. We are acquaintances. Greg is very good friends with Kevin. He has always given us a ton of time from the time that he flew in, in, in Super Bowl 47 when, when Greg and I were in uh, New Orleans. Kevin Harlan had, had done a Warriors game in the West Coast, flown all night on a red-eye to New Orleans, wanted to go to his bed, but came and saw us on Radio Row because he said he would. Didn't do any others. And he, then he went back up to his bedroom and, or went up to his hotel and he slept all night. My son had been Harlan, Harlan, Harlan. He ran around at Radio Row and was getting pictures with all these different guys. I should, I'll post them for you. With, I mean, just you name it, all these different athletes. And he's just got balls. He goes up to all of them and you know, he's having a great time and everything. But he sees Harlan and it's like, you know, because he wants to be a, broad, a play-by-play guy. And he just, the whole time he sat there, asked Kevin a bunch of questions. And the way it works on Radio Row during the Super Bowl is that these handlers are moving you, man. They're grabbing you. They're going to the next place. Harlan probably had 20 interviews to do in just a few hours, and they got to go, 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 go. Like, you got them for six or eight minutes. Usually, not in Harlan's case, because he was just pumping that it was on Westwood One and it was on our airwaves, the Super Bowl. You know, usually it's like Gillette Razors or whatever the heck you got. So you do seven minutes with them. You do a minute on Gillette Razors. Boy, those things are the best. And then they move on, and the handlers got to move in. Harlan sat there for like four or five minutes, gave him his email, gave him his number. I mean, guys don't do that. Our business is a business of unwarranted giant egos most of the time, and Kevin Harlan doesn't have any of that. And what you hear when he comes on our show, that's who he is. He's awesome. I mean, that dude, he's just a different bird. He's awesome, man. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Um, let's see. Do, 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 what else do we got? All right, man. All right, I just, did, I, I just wanted to do a quick short one, give you a couple of thoughts on, uh, on some things that I'm thinking about. Give you an update on spring training for the Giants and what I heard today from Joey Bart to Jock Peterson to uh, Kyle Harrison already creating some buzz. We got days until games. I am going to go down to spring training about the second week of March, and so I'll give you a full report. I'm going to get back uh, from seeing family here in, in, for a few days. Then I'm going to do the, the show uh, in studio for about a week, and then I'm heading to uh, spring training for like 10 days. And I'll get an up-close and personal uh, shot, and I'll be doing lives from actually Scottsdale Stadium down there. We, are, we have a set-up spot down there, so I'll be doing uh, the podcast and the YouTube show from there as well. So I'm going to finish packing. Have a tremendous night. If you have any more questions, i got a few more minutes. I'll take, uh, I'll take some uh, questions, comments, all that kind of stuff. Uh, where am I from? Been listening to Lundo for years. Thank you very much. I very much appreciate that. I never take anybody's listenership for granted, and I really appreciate it. Um, I'm originally from L.A., but I was never an L.A. sports fan, so don't hold it against me. My family was originally from Chicago, but I was only a Cubs fan uh, growing up. I was never a Bears fan, never a Bulls fan. And then because I've done this for so long, for about 25, over 25 years, and, and I've been in the, in the Bay Area since 2010, what tends to happen to you is you start to get to know players on those teams and executives on those play teams and front offices on those teams. So maybe who you used to root for, you just don't root for anymore. Like, I root for the Giants because I know a bunch of players on the team, have for years, know guys in the front office. Uh, same with the Warriors. Bob Myers is just a great guy. You get to know all those guys. Obviously, it goes without saying. You know who the players are. The 49ers, the same way. I've gotten to know Kyle Shannon and John Lynch and a lot of the, the people down there and a lot of the players down there, guys like Kittle and so forth, and Joe Staley when he played for years because he was on our, on our show uh, every single week when he was a player. So what you start to do is you start to like the teams that you cover all the time. And people do that, I think, in general. Like, you might like a team as a kid for whatever reason, 
And then as an adult, you move to a certain community, you get into that community, and you're like, well, I, I want this team to do well. And I don't call it, certainly in this case, front running. It's just when the 49ers and the Warriors and, and, the, and even the A's or whatever, they all do well, then it's good for business here. Because th- then the casual fan gets involved. The hardcores like me and you, uh, if you're sitting here on a Friday night and you're talking sports with me, man, you're, you're what we call a P1. You're a, hardcore, you're a hardcore sports fan. To get, you know, the massive thing, that's when it starts to lead the news, right? The, lawyer, the Warriors lead the 10 o'clock news. When that happens, then the casual fan is getting involved. And when they win at a really high level, then the casual fan gets involved, and that's good for business. So I, I want the Warriors to win, and I want the Niners to win. Uh, you know, I want, I want all the Bay Area teams to win. I want them to win at a really high level. And it doesn't mean you can't be objective on things or anything like that. I've learned that over the years. You can be absolutely objective on teams. Um, you know, you can criticize them. You can see where the warts are. You can see where, you know, it's, it, it is different than being a fan. But you want them to win. I remember being in, in Miami when, then, when the Niners lost the Super Bowl in 2019. And we were there till like 3.34 o'clock in the morning, taking call after call after call after call. We were the, I mean, literally, they had to come into the booth at Hard Rock Stadium and said, hey, man, the last media bus is leaving. It was like 4 in the morning. They're like, the last media bus is leaving, and I don't know if you've ever been to Hard Rock Stadium. It is not close to Miami Beach where we were staying. Miami Beach is where the convention center was, where Radio Row was. And, it, it, I mean, it's a good 45 minutes. And they're like, if you don't make this thing, best of luck to you. <laughs> And I had like an 8 a.m. flight or something. I'm like, well, I got to catch this thing. I got to catch it. So we had to get off the air. But so, you know, I, you feel the, what my point in saying all that is you feel the pain of that. And I was at, I was uh, covered the NFC championship game and they lost to the Rams last year. And I was on late in the post game in that one. And the, the stadium was cleared out and I'm watching the confetti fall and players on the field. And I'm sitting there, you know, this sucks. I mean, it's, you know, that's many times that has happened. I mean, it's just, it is what it is, but you want to win because and, and plus for the fans and the people that listen and for all, it's just good for everything. It's cool. So along, you know, I kind of came about that in a long way. I'm from LA originally, but the reason I hesitate to even talk about it is because then people think I'm a Dodgers fan or, a, you know, a Rams fan or something like that. And really that's not how I grew up. In fact, I grew up as kind of all my friends had all that kind of stuff when they went to school. And my son is this exact same way. And I kind of just went the other way because everybody was easy. And the one thing that bothered me about living in L.A. was everybody was like bandwagon jumpers going up. I'm like, well, who's your team? Well, tell me. You don't want, well, it depends on the Dodgers win day. So that was kind of weird. And I even knew that ever, ever since I was a kid. So, uh, yeah, ever since I showed up. You know what? Uh, my dad always used to say that my dad's passed pancreatic cancer. But I've, I, I can tell you this, and I'm not saying it in a bragging kind of way. I, have, I say it like this. I've got incredibly lucky in my career in that I've covered a ton of championships, and it's been great. Like, I got, I got on the scene in Utah in 1997. I went to Utah State University, originally from L.A. Uh, if you remember the UCLA Bruins back in the 90s, one of my best friends was Glenn Herrick. His dad was the coach at UCLA. We went up to Utah State. And I, that, that's, I, with no other reason, I ended up going up to Utah State and, um, and, and graduated from Utah State. And then from there, I went, in, went to Salt Lake City, got a job there. And my first assignment was the Bulls locker room in 97 and 98. I was a sideline reporter for the Utah Jazz. They threw me in there. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And that's how I started covering sports. I got extremely lucky. So I'm covering the NBA Finals in 97 and 98. Uh, Utah, the University of Utah with Rick Majerus went to the Final Four. Uh, when I was there, 
Um, I moved on to to Portland, the Blazers. That was like Rasheed Wallace and, and Damon Stoudemire and Bonzi Wells and Scottie Pippen and Steve Smith. And they played the Lakers and Kobe every year, and we, and we covered that. Uh, went to Detroit. They won a championship over the uh, Lakers in 2004. Got really lucky with that, and the All-Star game was there. So my point is, is that I've just gotten extremely lucky with teams winning while I've been around. It's not anything that I do. And then I moved here, like I said, in 10. And that's, you know, it wasn't exactly when the Warriors started going off, but the Giants went off for three. The Warriors started going. Um, the Niners have gotten close a few times. It would be nice if they could finally get over that hump. But, yeah, we've gotten extremely lucky over the last, what are we looking at now, 12, 13 years? And it seems like that's the way sports are going right now. Like, sports towns take off and they're dot like, Boston dominated for a really long time, right? And won a bunch of championships. The Bay Area, the, the Giants did, the Warriors did, the Niners got close. You know, it just kind of seems like all these teams are like grouping in together when they win. And I'm looking at Kansas City. Well, the Royals did win one. I, I guess I give them a little bit of credit, but not anymore. But anyway, so that's my story, long and short of my story. And thanks for asking. I appreciate it. I, yeah, I just, like I said, it's nothing I'm doing. I just got lucky. That's all there is to it. Uh, what else? Anything else? All right. Uh, so make sure that you stay tuned. Just because I'm not on the uh, KNBR show this week does not mean that I won't be checking in with you. Hit me up, and you can hit me up on comment section. Hit me up at, uh, at John Lund Radio on Twitter. You got any questions, comments, things we should be talking about on the podcast and on the YouTube channel, simply let me know, and uh, we'll get into all those kind of things. And as I said, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you finding us. I appreciate you hanging out on a Friday night. appreciate you listening to the podcast. Tell all your friends. We'll grow this thing up as well. And per your requests... Uh, Larry and I will get together in short order uh, when we get things going again. Once spring training gets really in full effect, and I know he's going to go down there as well, he told me, and um, we'll get together uh, when the Warriors get going and everything else, 24 games left in the Warriors season after they get back from the All-Star break. And as we well know, everything depends on Steph Curry's health. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) Peter North here, old retired film star, huge 49ers fan and season ticket holder. If that's uh, the real Peter Northman, I am uh, I am absolutely positively impressed that you are here on a Friday night, uh, Peter North. Uh, it's time to ice the cake. I think that's uh, that was one of your famous lines. Uh, let's see. Now, uh, if the Niners can cash in and get that sixth, absolutely. I mean, that would be absolutely amazing. Uh, Kyle, uh, all right, see ya. Safe travels. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Again, thanks for checking in tonight, and we will uh, continue the uh, live chats even when I'm uh, – I'll have some palm trees behind me. That'll be probably the best part about that. So, anyway, huge 69er fan. Absolutely. Who's not, Peter? I mean, come on, man. Uh, Take care, Daniel. Thank you very much for everybody, and uh, thanks for hanging out on the live chat. That is Unleashed, various sports talk for a Friday night. Only here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and again, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., usually on KNBR. Next week, I'll be out until Friday. Uh, The podcast, where you get your favorite podcast, Apple, Spotify, all those places, and, of course, the YouTube channel. Make sure that you... uh, Subscribe there as well. <laughs> uh, thank you, Peter North. I, I've seen your films. I know what I know what you can do, and I will connect, uh, Daniel. I will connect with Larry. I'll get with Krug, and we'll get that going as well. Have a great night. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on vacation, and we'll check in when necessary. It's unleashed. Barry Sports Talk with me, John Lund, only on the Locked On Podcast Network.